My name is Jamie Atkinson, founder of podcastclosing.com, and this show is built for six and seven figure entrepreneurs with podcasts who are looking to grow and scale their customer acquisition using that show. If you're a six or a seven figure entrepreneur with a podcast and you want to get featured on this show to talk about your own podcast journey, go to top100interview.com. Now over to your glamorous host, Brittany Chaterbock, and don't forget to subscribe for daily interview content. Hey guys, welcome back to the show. It's Bashi here. Today we have a super exciting guest, Jared Hamilton. He sells coaching in the fitness, weight loss, and diet space. He's also the host of the Dieting from the Inside Out podcast. Welcome to the show, Jared. Thank you so much for coming on. What's up? I appreciate you having me. This is cool. It's a pleasure to have you. We're going to have some great conversation. We'll cover what's working, your podcast, your challenges, and your goals. And I'm sure within that conversation alone, we'll have some great takeaways. Before we jump in, do you mind telling us a bit about your story and where you are today? Yeah, yeah. So my name is Jared Hamilton. Uh, I'm 31, live in uh, Indiana my whole life. So I'm basically close to downtown Indianapolis. Um, for me, my with, when it comes to my business and kind of what where things started is uh, I own an online coaching company. So we deal with like, 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 like Basha said, in the, the fitness, the nutrition, the mindset space. Um, the, the big difference, though, where, where I feel like things get really, 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 really neat is when, when things started, when I originally decided to get into the coaching space, cause I've been doing this for like 11 years or so, um, started off as like an in-person trainer, um, worked for like three different gyms, like 438 to 9P life, like craziness. Um, and then fast forward to now we've scaled my coaching company and now it's completely online. I have a whole team of coaches, like the, the whole thing. Um, but the big thing now is that's changed over the years. Um, other than like things at scale is really where we're focusing on. Cause I saw a big issue um, in the dieting and weight loss space. Cause what I, when I came up like doing things with social and the podcast and all of that, when I came up, it was really focused on just what I would label as sustainable fat loss. Right. So like just getting people to lose weight, change their life without giving up their life or their favorite foods, which has a ton of value, which is great. It's where the cult diet culture should be in, but it's still all fucked up. But mm -hmm. where we really lean into and what started to change is when um, I found this, this area in the middle, what I call in the middle that not a lot of people were talking about where I feel like true life change happens. Because if we zoom out and we see on the far one side, we have fitness, nutrition, weight loss, diet culture, what most people think of. Then we have way over here on the other side, we have things like therapy, mindfulness, inner work, uh, emotion, emotional regulation, breath work, all of that. But the problem was uh, I found that most most people, like the average person that would come into our ecosystem that we'd be coaching, there's this middle ground where we have to fix things first. As in most people, their, their solutions, like if we just snap our fingers, the weight comes off, then they're still binge eating. They're still emotionally eating. They're still subconsciously sabotaging. They're still scared to eat. They're like addicted to dieting, all of that. Well, getting the result doesn't fix those foundational problems. But the problem is the desire to lose weight is what triggers all of those issues. It's why people will get into like the restrict binge cycle or why as soon as they start to hit a stride, something in life will happen and they sabotage their results, all of that. So what I found on an accident was we would have people come into the ecosystem um, and I would have to fix all of that stuff first. I'm like, I'm ready to take them into weight loss, get them to drop the pounds, feeling great. But I'm like, ooh, Mrs. Joan binge eats every other day. All right, I got to fix that. Now we can take her into weight loss um, in all these different scenarios of that kind of stuff. And the problem was most people in the diet culture world aren't teaching that they're like borderline encouraging eating disorders. Like, oh, if you can't lose weight, drop your calories to under a thousand or it's fine. Just hate yourself into changing all of those kind of things. So that's kind of where 
coming up, things have changed dramatically. We like, I, I changed the entire business, the, the coaching program, and even the podcast all centered around this, what I call dieting from the inside out kind of co- concept. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, I mean, essentially you're actually treating the disease and you're not just treating the symptoms. Yeah, for sure. How did you get started in this business? So I actually, when I was uh, right, fresh out of college, I thought I was going to be a physical therapist that you'll find that's a common path. Everyone like by, when they get to like where I'm at, like, like in the fitness or coaching space, everyone wanted to be a therapist or a physical therapist coming up. So I thought I was going to be a physical therapist. I was really fascinated by physiology and biomechanics. And um, I've got some musculoskeletal issues of myself. So I came up as a patient in a lot of physical therapy offices. So, uh, so part of me coming out of high school is like, you know what? I could be a physical therapist. It makes okay money and it's tolerable. Well, which that is the worst way to view what you should do for a living. But that's just how it was. Um, Cause I was also a really awkward, undereducated homeschool kid. So mm. I had no idea what I wanted to do and was, I was missing a lot and things like that. So for me, uh, that's just the route I went went down and I was just going to be a physical therapist. But then I found personal training along the way, I fell in love with it. I've always been entrepreneurial ever since I was like 12. So then I built my uh, personal training business, built that to like 200 sessions a month um, by myself. It was a nightmare, but it was great. Um, and then right around the time I'm like, you know what? I think I want to get into this online coaching thing make more money, help more people scale things. I started posting on social media, built this huge following. Then I transitioned my entire in-person business to online and then basically took the online at scale. Mm-hmm. What were some of the biggest mistakes that you made when you first started? Um, not hiring a mentor soon enough. Um, it's just like, I mean, I sell, co- I mean, coaching is a level of mentorship in general. So I think the, I should have uh, dove into mentorship and developing myself sooner, like reading more like books that in the video, like you can see behind me, um, hiring mentors earlier. Cause like, that's the thing is I tell a lot of coaches who are, they'll ask me for advice or they'll do business coaching with me. And the, and, and they're like so hesitant to, to hire mentorship themselves, but they're selling mentorship. I'm like, you're kind of a fraud. So mm-hmm. for me, uh, I would have done that earlier. And then I would have just made all decisions that were scalable. One of the biggest decisions or one of the biggest mistakes I made coming up is because my business wasn't doing well and it was just starting. I made like, I made unsustainable decisions to build the business. I, I was, I would go, Oh, you know what? This is fine. Cause I only got like a few clients. It's not a big deal. But then we fast forward to have a big client load or we're at scale. The infrastructure wasn't there. It's kind of like mm-hmm. what we teach in weight loss. If someone loses weight in an unsustainable way, well, then you, you're not going to flip a switch to sustainable, how you have to live in the house that you build. So I originally built my business in unsustainable ways um, because my business was small and then business was big. And it's like, fuck, I can't keep this going. So that'd be the biggest one. Mm. So can you give some tangible tips or examples of what you're doing differently now to scale your business versus what you were doing before? Yeah, absolutely. My thing is, uh, uh, a lot of times I'll teach my coaches this. Cause I have like a full, like a, I have a full coaching staff that works for me and I'll even find they'll be, they'll say, well, I want to do this with my client. I go, could you do that with a full roster? Well, no. Okay. Then don't do it. Don't do it with two clients. Um, it's it, it, that's the biggest thing is in, in my industry, my concept is if you could not do it with your ideal business at scale, don't do it down just because you can now, just because you can, doesn't mean you should. It's like in weight loss, just because someone can take their calories super low. Doesn't mean they should. Cause then that's the problem is then we get this, this psychological trap of, well, I got results. I made more money. I lost more weight, whatever the thing is. Well, now you feel like you have to keep doing that stuff. Like any, anyone that's listening that's tried to lose weight in an unsustainable way would probably say, well, yeah, every time I do keto or I cut my calories or I work out every single day, I lose weight, but then I can't take it anymore. Then I fall off and then I gain all this weight back. But then 
well, I want to lose weight again. So they go back to the unsustainable stuff and they stay on this yo-yo and this cycle. It's no different for business. This is why it's my favorite thing. The parallels to draw losing weight the right way and changing your life in fitness is very similar structure to, to business. If you cannot, uh, if you cannot make these decisions at scale, like for like the, the analogy of like with clients, if you cannot do it with a full roster, don't do it from an infrastructure side with just one or two, that would, I would say would be the biggest one. I think that's an amazing tip. I mean, you're so right about making sure that you're growing sustainably. I mean, that's something that I've been even experienced when it comes to weight loss is I would just stop eating or I would take these stupid diet. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure you know all about oh, yeah. them. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. And then it's like, you're limited to 500 calories. And then I eat like two M&Ms the next day and I yep. gain four pounds back. Yep. Instead of that. fundamentally making sure that everything is straight and everything is good. Mm-hmm. Instead of just doing whatever you can just to make money and then, and mm-hmm. then move on to the next thing. Yeah. Well, because we see that a lot, like with social media, for example. So I'm a like posting and creating content is one of my favorite things in the world to do, but I'll see a lot of people who are building the coaching business. They'll do the same thing they do. What most dieters do is they go super hard. They can't take it anymore. They burn out and fall off. It'll be the same thing with the business. They're like, well, Gary V said post 17 times a day on Instagram. So I'm going to post 17 times a day. They burn out after a week and a half versus I would rather someone go, what from a social media standpoint or a marketing standpoint, can I sustainably do for the next 10 years? Because we all want businesses that last a long time. So that may be posting once a day, not six times a day, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it's the same thing with all the moves in the business. A lot of people in the coaching business will get like client happy. They try to onboard as many clients as they can because they want their revenue to go up. But now you have to fulfill for all those clients versus saying, well, how many clients could I take on per month for the next like five years? And looking at it that way, we're making just more intelligent decisions. Absolutely. You know, and I, I completely agree. Plus that way, when you're going slow and you're doing it step-by-step, step, you're fully learning every single step versus yeah. if you go zero to a hundred and then you have to go and you have to figure all your shit out, figure out like, mm-hmm. hey, like what the fuck do I do with this now? Yeah. Like, how do I handle this? <laughs> yeah. So without a doubt. sustainable growth, hundred percent. I want to know what you're doing for marketing now for yeah. your business. So marketing now is my marketing is, is super simple. Um, and at the end of the day, if you aren't getting awareness, uh, if you, people are not knowing who you are and realizing that you're the baddest motherfucker at solving the problems that you solve, nothing else matters. I see. So don't get me wrong. I think diving into infrastructure is great. I think diving into fulfillment is great, but you can have the best coaching program in the world, but if no one knows who you are, it's worthless. You know what I mean? So for me, from a marketing perspective, um, it's, it's my favorite thing to do. So for me, when it comes to marketing, we're posting everywhere. Uh, all the time. So like on all the, the, the hot platforms, TikTok, Instagram, YouTube, uh, my podcast, email list, text lists, uh, Facebook groups, the whole nine yards. So there's two sides to my marketing. There's what I would call um, owned media or rented media, because at the end of the day, when you are in the world of rented media um, or just not owned media, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, those things, if TikTok goes down, like for right, right now, I have a quarter million followers on TikTok, which sounds cool. But there's a big battle whether they're going to take TikTok down. Well, then I lose a quarter million followers tomorrow, right? Mm -hmm. So that's a problem. Um, When I started out, I built my entire business off Instagram. I was completely reliant on Instagram, but I didn't own any of my leads, any of my my, uh, customers or anything like that. So for me, I use all of my sources that I do not own, TikTok, Instagram, YouTube, all that, to funnel people to my owned media. Whereas if something bad happened, I have that I literally had, like, I have my CRM, like my email list or a text list. Cause truly right now at the time of recording, the only two things I believe you can truly own is an email list or a text list. 
anything else you don't own. If you have a Facebook group, it's not yours. Engagement's higher, but like Facebook, that's Zuckerberg's list. Um, mm-hmm. The same thing there. So for me, I have my owned media where I'm funneling everything to, where I can also nurture more. We're moving into an era of cold leads don't buy um, or very, or they're way harder to sell, especially if you, so like for me, I sell high ticket coaching. No one's going to go, oh, yeah, I like that Instagram reel. Take $3,000 from me. Take $5,000 from me. I'm not selling hats. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's where you'll see people like a TikTok will blow up and people will go buy a hundred widgets or a hundred of the really cool pens. But when you're selling a service, that's a higher ticket service that requires, that's more than a transaction that requires a lot of adherence. Like for us with coaching, it's that we have check-ins, we have follow-ups, we have this one-on-one relationship with the client. We have to have a lot of trust built. We're talking about really gross stuff, like their inner child issues with weight loss and all this kind of stuff and how long they've yo-yo dieted. So it's not just selling water bottles or a widget or whatever the case is. So For me, I have to have a place where I'm getting, I'm filtering all these people to where I can nurture them, build trust with them, show them value, solve their problems, and then present them an irresistible offer, which is what my my program solves. Um, But otherwise, it's a mix in, or that would be more on my, we'll call it the owned side, like email list, text list, things like that. Um, I do use a Facebook group for very high nurture levels. So I basically make a Facebook group that's completely free. It's just, I know I don't own it, but it's a spot where I can build a lot of trust. I can do big live trainings. I can build a culture. I can build a community that riles around a common mission. And then it's really easy to sell coaching at that point um, and to solve these higher level problems. And it, on just an impact level, it gives people a safe space to go to, to actually get help, whether they ever sign up for coaching or not. Um, and then I use my, what I would call the, the, the shorter, lighter content, like Instagram reels, TikToks, YouTube shorts, those kind of things, um, as a filter for my bigger spots, like my podcast or a YouTube. But at the end of the day, it's a combination of, of solving problems and being entertaining. Um, I have a tendency to err on the side of problem solving, which can get kind of boring, but mm-hmm. the, the magical spot in the, in, in my opinion, in the world of marketing is when you are solving high level problems as well as being entertaining. I always think of it like, what if Kevin Hart was going to be a coach? What kind of content would he make? He would obviously mm. solve your problems, but fuck, it's Kevin Hart. It would be it would be the best content in the world. It would be hilarious. So a lot of people will err on the side of all one or all the other. They're either just going for um, like likes and comments. So this is when you see like uh, Fitspo's posting pictures of their ass or just like, here's my shaker cup I bought today, just stupid stuff. But then when it comes kind of time to monetize or to drive to a coaching program, they don't, it, it never converts. Versus if you follow my stuff, we're only posting about problems that my ideal client are struggling with. Here's how to stop binge eating. Here's the five ways to end emotional eating. Hey, if you're overwhelmed in the gym, here's exactly what to do. Very specific problem solving. But in the middle of that, it is entertaining. Like I just did a, a I just, for example, I just posted a, a TikTok the other day. Um, and it was uh, right now it's almost at 600,000 views. It's crushing, but it was going to point of view, going to dinner with all the diets. So you I have the keto one. person, <laughs> right? You have the keto person and well, they're talking shit up to the, to the, um, to the Octavia diet. And then they're talking shit about to the 1200 calorie diet. Then you got the, the fasting dude over here. Like in, but people relate to it. They go, Oh, that's funny. Cause I've been in every one of those seats. Oh, mm-hmm. I guess maybe just tracking my calories and eating what I want is the more sustainable approach. So that's kind of how I approach my marketing. I think that's very smart. It sounds like you're being very intentional with the kind mm-hmm. of content that you're putting out there. You're not just putting out anything just to get attention. Right. You're getting out, you're putting out intentional stuff to get exactly who you want's yeah. attention. And I think that that's 
super smart strategy. Well, not all engagement is created equal, right? I would rather have a hundred, I would rather have a hundred people that are going to take what I put out and run with it and, and implement it, who have a great experience with it than a thousand people to just like it. Um, this is where a lot of fitspos struggle where you'll have someone who just looks great, like a girl showing her ass or a dude that looks great without a shirt. And they'll just post those kind of photos or the, like the guy with the nice car, whatever they'll get drive a bunch of likes and like, woohoo comments. But then when it comes time to actually like sell something, because we're a business, it, it doesn't convert because like, for example, the, the Fitspo girl that just posts a picture of her ass, she, her followers are a bunch of just horny guys. So when she's like, buy my glute program, crickets, you know what I mean? And, and, and she hasn't actually solved those real problems. That's just one example. But that's why at the end of the day, I always tell other coaches, you're paid to solve problems, not to be funny but you have to have both in this day and age, you're going to get the, just your clock cleaned on the social media side. If you can't be funny and entertaining while solving problems, but at the end of the day, people are paying you to solve their problems. So. Absolutely. It's just, it's just about getting their attention. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So that said you absolutely, I love your strategies, but what are some of the biggest things that you're struggling with right now in your business? Um, right now it's what's grabbing those, that attention is constantly changing. Like that's, that's, what's funny is because you'll see everything goes in trends and themes. Um, mm-hmm. And then what used to work just doesn't work before sometimes. Um, so for example, I think for me, it's, it's, it's keeping a pulse on that. What's going on that actually is grabbing people's attention right now. I'm leaning harder into um, so a st- struggle that I'm having that I'm really working on right now is getting really intentional about my hooks, my copywriting and my driving uh my lead sources to the places that I do own. Cause let's say the things that used to work, it's, it's, we can't marry one system and just believe it's going to run true forever. The shit that used to work has, has a timeline on it or it has an end date. And then it's a matter of being willing to adopt, or I'm sorry, willing to adapt and move on to what's next and not being held true to the one thing. Um, so right now, for example, a lot of my content has not been doing as well. Um, that video that hit, is it like 600,000 views? That's like the first in like probably six months that's done that well. Um, so for me, I'm, I'm diagnosing like, okay, why did that video crush? Why is my, are these other videos not crushing? But then at the same time, it doesn't always tell the whole picture because like I said, not all content's created the same or not all engagement and views are created the same because my business revenue is still hitting records while my content's at its lowest. But it's because I'm getting the right kind of eyeballs, not just all the eyeballs. So, but I would say right now, my current biggest struggles is, is, is that stuff. Um, but then just finding to fine tune my infrastructure, you know, leaning like, okay, well, um, referrals are down. What do we need to do from an infrastructure side to make sure referrals are high or for, um, or re-signs that kind of stuff just on the boring side of the business is my biggest focus right now. Mm-hmm. So I want to talk about your podcast because we are yeah. slowly running out of time that flew by. <laughs> um, but I want to know what was the intention behind starting the podcast and how does it tie into your business now? Yeah. So, um, intention behind the podcast, I just wanted to have another platform to help more people. That's the biggest, that was the biggest thing. Um, but it also, well, that's also the point of my entire business. You know what I mean? Like Tony Robbins said at best without a margin, there is no mission. So I have to find ways to just all my channels further the, the mission of the business, which is really helping people change their lives. Um, but the beautiful thing with the podcast that I like the, the most is it shortens the timeline for people to fully get the information they need to change their life. Because like you got things like with TikTok and Instagram and um, all the stuff you have character limits, you have to worry about like all flashy hooks and it's about getting in. Here's your five points and get out 30 second videos. And it, a lot of times that can take away the intention of what's going on in some subjects. 
just take longer than that to explain. So my favorite thing about the podcast and why I really started it so I can really take my time and lean into these bigger issues that are going to take 30 minutes to talk about. I love talking. Um, what's funny is I was always made fun of growing up for talking too much. And now I like get paid to talk. It's kind of funny, <laughs> but um, I enjoy it. Number one, it allows me to connect with other amazing humans um, just because that's like this, for example. Um, it, it's also been allow, allow other people to hear stories that are more relatable. So one of my favorite things to do with the podcast, especially as it relates to business is we'll get clients who are crushing on the podcast and I'll interview my client and that had the biggest, let's say someone like a, a common one that we'll have is someone who's binge eating for 20, 30 years. We'll end it in six months and get them to lose all their weight, like crazy, huge stuff. Well, a lot of people, because I'm the one selling coaching and because I'm meathead Jared, a lot of times it's not as relatable because I'm a dude, I'm not a middle-aged woman that struggles with PCOS and thyroid issues. Well, I'll get Janet on who binge ate for 20 years, who works like three jobs, who stopped her binge eating and lost all her weight in six months. And I'll just let Janet tell her story and they, like, all right, well, where did it change for you? What was your biggest obstacle? Oh, wow. Did you think you were a lost cause? Oh, you did. What made you change that? And I'll interview these clients that are crushing. And then it gives hope to all these other people go, oh, I resonate with Janet's story a lot. I'm just like her. Oh, she had it worse than me. Wow. Okay. And then the, the things like that accomplishes both sides. It helps more people at a massive scale because hundreds of thousands of people listen to the podcast. But then at the same time, it also drives revenue for the business because it's the, I mean, ideally the most nurtured people ever when they are listening there, if you're willing to listen to me talking to this Joe Rogan, Mike, for like the next hour, you're probably going to sign up for coaching at some point. Um, you know what I mean? And you're the most nurtured person. And I found from a business perspective, it shortens that duration. If like the average person coming to the ecosystem takes three months, six months to come in, see what's going on, build trust, then get into coaching. I'll have people apply for coaching and sign up within two weeks because they found the podcast. So it really shortens the duration for the business for, to get someone in as a client. Absolutely. And the podcast is an amazing tool for building yeah. your credibility, your authority. Like you said, people who are listening, get to see one of your success stories that you mm -hmm. got for one of your clients. You're like, okay, like this guy knows this shit. He knows what he's doing. I trust him. He helps somebody who's in a worse position than I am right now. Yeah. Like, might as well sign up. So it's, <laughs> it's great. Yeah. Yep. Without a doubt. So what are some of the biggest challenges that you've experienced around growing the podcast? Um, I, it, the biggest piece is, is getting it in front of people's eyes, I think is the biggest one. Cause usually what'll happen is someone will find it and it's holy shit. Where's this been my whole life? This is my favorite thing ever. And then they'll binge the entire podcast. So excuse me, for me, it's been experimenting with different things to get the show in front of more people. Um, cause that's the harder thing with the podcast is it's, it's longer form content. So, which means drop off, uh, from a times timeline side are going to be going to be higher versus if we're living, I mean, we live in an age of tick, like of TikToks and Instagram reels because of short attention spans. The fact that like, if you zoom out the fact that YouTube, the, the, the second largest search engine, I believe in on the internet, second or third, changed their entire business to now have shorts come out to compete against TikTok. Like if that doesn't show you how crazy in short people's attention spans are, they change that to compete um, is absurd. So I think that's the biggest one is, is because everyone is societally in such a place of like, give me just like TikToks and reels and there's the short attention spans and like the punch-ins, the zoom outs, the, blah, 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 the crazy ADHD content. Um, I think that's the harder one just because if I show a clip of the podcast, it's generally going to get a lower view count 
and a lower engagement than, uh, you know, a five ways to binge eating now da, 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 and put all the, the graphics and the craziness. I think that's the biggest one. Um, but I think it comes with the territory, you know, building yeah. a bigger, more behemoth, longer lasting, long game platform. That's my opinion is things like podcasts, YouTube, things like that. Um, I think they, they're much more long game plays. That's going to take more time. This is why you can build a TikTok like that. Um, but build a YouTube page or a podcast takes years. Um, so for me, I think that's the biggest one, getting it in front of the right people. Uh, a few ways that I've worked on fixing that is uh, we we make insane amounts of content out of the show. We put the show everywhere. Like, like every show is getting clips for all the short form platforms. Um, I'll do contests like uh, for so, like leaving reviews for the show. Um, I'll tell the, talk about the show everywhere on the email list, um, in my Facebook group, on my, my, my smaller socials. Um, we have a, a podcast website now. So now we're uh, putting all the content there. We're transcribing it for people who'd rather read the podcast versus watch it or listen to it. We're putting full length on YouTube. We're just like milking every way we could possibly milk and it's been helping. So we just hit like a record, uh, a record show download the other day. And so it's, it's been helping, but I think that's the biggest thing is realizing that just not enough people are finding it. Yeah. I mean, but I think yes, yes, that is a problem, but I think that, you would personally, at least like if, if I was a coach, I would rather be getting clients from my podcast versus from Instagram reels or TikTok because the people who are, have the attention span to pay attention for a half hour or an hour podcast are, I, I would think way more likely to actually stick with the program, stick mm -hmm. with the coaching, see it all the way through and have the patience to do it versus the people who are coming in with short attention spans. And they're like, okay, well, it's been a month and like, I haven't lost any. Like, <laughs> Agreed. Now? Agreed. Yeah. That's why like we're pouring all resources into, um, into the podcast and stuff. Like I, this past six months, I've hired like a producer and we have a full, a full production on that side of it. And it's, it's changed everything. So it's been really helpful. So. Absolutely. Jared, thank you so much for coming on. Before we jump off, if you had to give one piece of advice to anybody who's listening when it comes to weight loss or business, because they do, they do kind of correlate when it comes to tips yeah. and tricks, what would it be? I would say uh, tying kind of what I mentioned earlier is if it's not scalable and sustainable for the next 10 years, don't do it and make every decision as if you had to do that for the next 10 years, business, weight loss, it doesn't matter and you'll win. All right. Thank you so much again for coming on. If anybody's looking to get in contact with you, what's the best way for them to find you? Um, you can either go follow my show, Dieting from the Inside Out. It's everywhere. Um, I spend most of my days on TikTok and Instagram at Real Jared Hamilton, or you can always email me, Jared, J A R E D, at HamiltonTrained.com. All right. Thank you so much. Group, if you're listening and enjoyed, please like and subscribe. If you're a six figure entrepreneur and would like to come on the show, please visit top100interview.com. Thank you. Hey everyone, I hope you really enjoyed that episode. As always, if you want to listen to more daily interview content, make sure you subscribe. And here's three ways I can help you in your business for free. One, check out my video on how we're building a pipeline that produces 30 plus prime sales calls every single week using podcast setters and a basic interview funnel. And this is actually how I was able to quit social media forever. You can go to podcastrebels.com forward slash setters. Two, if you're a six or a seven figure entrepreneur with a podcast, we actually want to interview you on one of our top 100 shows. Head to top100interview.com and then three, download our podcast closing formula. It shows you how to create a podcast sales team that books out your sales calendar each week using the podcast closing client attraction method. And you can go to podcastrebels.com forward slash podcast formula. Now at podcastclosing.com, we help six and seven figure entrepreneurs with podcasts create a system for predictable client acquisition 
without relying on paid advertising or social media by building out podcast sales teams. Now, if you want help turning your podcast into a high ticket client acquisition machine, then book a call with our team to see how we can help. Go to podcastrebels.com forward slash chat. All right, guys, we'll see you in the next interview.